Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Janet Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode, or maybe you're here for the first time. It's great to have you here. And I'm back too. Look at me. Just keep on showing up. I'm very proud of myself, although I am in a bathrobe. It's just, you know, doing laundry. It's cold in the house. It just made sense. Plus, hey, there must be some benefits to working from home. So here I am showing up. It's so exciting that you're here as well. I think this is going to be a really good episode. It's something that I spend a lot of time talking about. And I think I'm going to start with this story. So I am turning 40 this year, and I didn't think it was going to impact me this much, actually. And I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know, is it aging? Is it coming out of a pandemic and almost being on pause for two years? There's just a lot, you know, that we're dealing with in our culture right now. And anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to explore how to get back to being me or figure out what the current me is. I'm actually curious if you're dealing with this as well. Send me an email and let me know. If I'm wondering if there are other folks who are just searching for grounding and identity these days. So I used to really love Zumba pre-pandemic, and I love dancing. I love moving my body. I also struggle with finding a place where this feels good. Um, I've also done gym. John and I are doing, my husband and I are doing some personal training right now. It just is all feeling pretty blah. Nothing is really, you know, feels exciting. I do want to do pickleball though. So I need to try that. But anyways, I thought, okay, let's do Zumba. I did jazzercise as well. That was good. Uh, but I just thought, okay, let's try a gym nearby that I've never been to has a drop in. I thought, let's just do it. It's scary trying new things. It's, well, it's scary going to a new place. I've tried this before. But, you know, my body's changed a bit over the pandemic, probably about 20 pounds heavier and, you know, just feeling old. I'm sorry for anybody who's older. It's just my own experience right now. And it's ridiculous because I photograph so young. Sometimes when I say I look feel old and then I look at photos of myself, I just think, Jenna, come on. Anyway, so I got on my new Nike pants and put on the sports bra and put on my old runners and got myself there. It was dark, rainy. I just wanted to stay on the couch for goodness sakes, but I did it. I'm so proud of myself. I got into the room and it felt pretty friendly. If you've ever been to exercise classes, you know how they can feel a little bit cliquey. It's hard. Sometimes it feels a bit awkward standing there in the corner, not really knowing where to put your water bottle and your jacket and everyone is giggling and catching up and it can be a little bit challenging, but usually you can find someone who's new or who's also sort of standing alone. And I did, I was able to talk to somebody who's actually a previous Zumba instructor and it was her first time in that class. So that was good, we had a little chat. 
And then the music started. They turned on disco lights. It felt very overstimulating for this highly sensitive person. But I love to dance. I love to feel the rhythm. And so I went for it. And so quickly, I was instructed to move my body in a quote unquote, very sexy way, wiggling my hips, moving my hands up my side, slapping my own ass. It just felt like I felt ridiculous, but I also felt really angry. I really felt like the male gaze was in the room, even though there's no men present. I did not feel empowering. It did not feel confident. And I kind of felt like I was pressured into going along with those moves when I didn't even really feel like, you know, it was authentic to me. And I kind of thought maybe I even look like a prude here, you know, um, And the woman that that I'd been talking to, who's the former Zumba instructor, she kind of looked over me at me like, come on, let's do this together. (laughs) Like, no, I do not think this is is good. I don't think it's healthy. I think it's pretty toxic. I don't think it's a cultural message that actually empowers women. And I do not think that it's connected to confidence. And all the lyrics of most of the songs were about being sexy and about shaking your thing. And I just thought, no, being sexy means being sexually attractive. And I'm not interested in being sexually attractive. I'm interested in pleasure. I'm interested in feeling good in my body. I'm interested in moving it in ways that feel good and safe and exciting and joyful for me. But to put on some sort of performance for who anyways, this invisible audience, which would be male. So I I left feeling pretty disappointed and frustrated at the whole situation. I have a good friend who used to do Zumba and we were talking about how this is sort of a challenge that we're facing and really discussing how, you know, what would a dance class look like that was solely focused on pleasure and coming home to yourself and joy and just moving and being in community with other women and empowerment. Oh my gosh, it would be amazing. And there would probably be no mirrors in the studio just saying. I spoke to my daughter as well. I'd picked her up from her dance class after mine and We had an interesting conversation about that, too, because that's what she sees in a lot of her uh, dance classes as well. Specifically, like jazz is kind of like this, where you're really needing to be sassy and do the strut and all that stuff. So it really had had me think a lot about just the mundane activities that we do every day, and we don't even think about them, and we don't even think about how they may be connected to desire. Because if I hadn't stopped and thought about this and consciously consumed it and consciously challenged it, it's so easy that I would have mimicked that or felt like I needed to do that in the bedroom with my husband, leading to performance. 
So this leads very well into the topic I wanted to share about today on the podcast, which is how these toxic cultural messages can affect our desire, because it's very rarely examined. Uh, Usually the narrative is, like I've mentioned on previous episodes, is that you're broken and there's something wrong with you. But I think a huge part of it is a toxic culture that we're all submerged in. So just a recap here, I talked about the three requirements of wanting it more in episode, what episode was that? Mm, Two episodes ago, (laughs) whatever that is. (laughs) And the three requirements are unlearning of toxic cultural messages, understanding of your body and preferences, and emotional physical safety with your husband. Last episode, I went a little bit deeper into the emotional and physical safety and the importance of that and what that looks like. So if you miss that, I encourage you to go back and check that one out. But today we're going to go into the second requirement is really that examining and unlearning of the cultural messages that we're submerged in. They're so invisible and they're just like you know, toxic gas that it, we're just submerged in. We're so used to it. It feels normal. And unfortunately, when they're unexamined, they can just wreak havoc in the bedroom. So today I really have three messages from culture that I wanted to share with you, just as an example of how you may examine this in your life. What I find is that women who go through wanting it more, which is my program, they are just shocked when we go through week one, because week one is really dedicated to this topic. They're shocked at how it's everywhere. It's on billboards and advertising. It's in magazines. It's in things that are masquerading as uh, empowerment and confident boosters for women. It's, I was even just reading an article to see what other folks have to say about this topic. And in the article talking about cultural messages that affect women's libido, there was an image of a thin woman in a mini skirt with high heels looking confident. I just thought, wow, it's even in an article that is trying to help women uncover these messages. There it is. It's so hard to get away from. So my hope is that by bringing a couple of these to light and to share some of my opinions about them, you will be able to start to do the same. And the purpose of this ultimately is so that you can have self-compassion for yourself. Because if we are constantly blaming and looking inward to what we can fix about ourselves and how we're prudes and how we're, uh, we don't work sexually and we have no sexual feelings then, I mean, that can lead to just, there's just no self-compassion there. It's just, I'm broken, there's something to fix, and it's all my fault. Versus, I live in this culture, in this environment that deeply impacts me. And I really hope that I can share in a really practical sense how this happens, and then what to do, you know, steps to take to help lessen the impact and to heal from these messages that our culture gives us, which have been given non-consensually, by the way. No, we didn't ask for them. And, um, you know, it's generational as well. Sometimes I notice myself 
continuing the messages. And I'm just like, come on, Jenna, stop. Your, your teenage girls need you to do better. But my goodness, it's difficult when it's so ingrained in our DNA. Okay. First toxic message is really all, and these are no particular order. And again, there are unfortunately scores and scores of these messages, but just, this is just a start. The first one is that all women like blank. All women like to have their breasts be touched. All women like giving oral sex or receiving it. All women like big open mouth slobbery kisses. All women be like being slapped on the butt. All women like XYZ. And this typically comes from media. This comes from the only education that we receive, which is uh, sex scenes, unfortunately. And if you just watch a few, you'll very quickly see how formulaic the whole performance really is. And that's what it is. It's not about pleasure. It is about performance. And these, there's a really sh- small um, grouping of activities that you can do that are acceptable that are within the sexual realm. This isn't exploring your five senses for your pleasure as I teach. This is you need to do this and furthermore, you need to like this. And if you don't like this, then there is something wrong with you. And either we push through and do them, or again, we just feel broken because we don't like them, even if we're not doing them. So both scenarios are going to create Uh, impact on us. And usually that is avoidance and repulsion. Because if you're doing things that make you feel icky or gross and feeling like you should like them, although there's something wrong that you don't like them, you're not going to want to do the activity. And this can so easily be labeled as having low libido when it's clearly not the case. Next message is that men need sex. Oh, this one is absolutely huge. I often hear my program participants say, I need to provide this for him. I I know I shouldn't force myself. I know, but this is a need he has and I feel really guilty. I want to be a good wife and he needs this in his life. It's like oxygen or food or sleep. And the truth is it's not. Men don't need sex like they do like drinking water and eating food and um, having their heart pump. (laughs) There are a lot of men in the world who don't ever have sex and they live whole and fulfilling lives. So really sex is not a life or death situation. It's nice to enjoy. And for goodness sakes, I'm saying this and I've dedicated my life to helping women who are married to men want and enjoy sex more so that they can have it more with their partners. So this this is something that I am really you know, I'm passionate about, but I'm also passionate about doing it in the right way and coming at it as a source of expectation and pressure and obligation it just causes a tremendous amount of pressure, which can result in resistance and stress. And you guessed it, what could look like low libido, but it's not. It's the it's the act um, of those toxic cultural messages in women's lives. And the second message is the one that I really was talking about in the beginning with my story about Zumba is that I need or we need or you need to be and feel sexy. 
this one just irritates me. (laughs) I just feel so frustrated because I mentioned before, sexy really is about being sexually attractive and it's connected to this facade of empowerment and confidence. And this drive or this need that women are told that, you know, this is what they should do can lead us to do some really weird things, which is wearing clothing that we do not feel comfortable, like scratchy lace or tight things that are sexy because we, we need to feel sexy or we need to look sexy or putting our bodies into positions that we don't feel enjoyable or it doesn't even feel noble or self-respectful. And of course, if we're having experiences that are around any shoulds, we're not going to look forward to it. It's not going to be a genuine, authentic experience without that pressure and all the safety and all that other stuff I talk about. And so we're not going to look forward to it. What can that look like? Low libido. (laughs) But it's not low libido. It's not being comfortable. And it's looking at the... um, It's trying to do something that we've been told to do, which is sexy. We need to feel sexier and be sexier. Really what we need to do is feel more pleasure, more genuine, genuine pleasure. The next message is sex only counts if there are certain outcomes that are met. And in a heterosexual relationship, sex is only seen as legitimate if two things happen. Number one, a penis goes in a vagina. And number two, the man has an orgasm. And it may feel crude to spell it out like this, but it's absolutely true. And after watching hundreds of women, you know, supporting hundreds of women go through wanting it more in my program, I have just seen this to be absolutely the case. We come in, I don't even know when we're giving this message pretty soon, and that's it. And we feel defective, broken, whatever, if those outcomes aren't met. But Again, it's going to shut down a woman's desire if you have that pressure and expectation and goal on you. Having any other agendas other than connection and pleasure in the sexual experience is just a recipe for performance anxiety on both sides, not just the woman's side, but the husband's side as well. Because now we're saying you have to have an erection to have an enjoyable experience. And that is just simply not the case. So really, women, again, just we really need a safe space to explore with no pressure and having sex only be legitimized and only count, whether that's in our heads from culture. And that's, you know, it's not just men pushing this on women. It's in our heads, too, because we have been so conditioned with these messages. And it takes time to unlearn these ones they are so ingrained in us. Next message. You shouldn't say no. Be a nice girl and don't stir things up. Don't speak up. Don't rock the boat. Just go along. Be a team player. Don't be selfish. That is such a huge one. And it's really difficult to figure out what you do like when you aren't saying no because you do not have a safe space. And we know that that is an absolute requirement to exploring your pleasure. So when women tell me that they don't like anything in the bedroom, nothing works, um, they, you know, they just don't like anything, they don't know where to begin, 
I really believe it starts with her owning and communicating what she doesn't like. I don't like this. I, I don't like slobbery kisses. I don't like being on top. I don't like having tickly touch. I don't like kissing. I don't just say it again and again and really own that. That's the only time then once that happens and once you feel safe to say that and those boundaries are respected, then you can start to ponder what your body really enjoys. So again, this is not a lack of desire. This is a lack of safety driven by a really strong cultural message. And we see this in the court system as well, that, you know, women are, there's so many um, sort of excuses and gaslighting that happen when women do say no. What were you wearing? Uh, you were drunk. I mean, lots of lots of things. It's really sad. <laughs> All of these are really sad. All of these are really sad, but we have to examine them. Otherwise, they will continue to influence our lives. That's the truth. You know, they will continue to uh, infiltrate our thinking, which will impact our actions and our beliefs about ourselves. Toxic message number six, don't touch yourself. There is so much shame about a woman exploring her pleasure. And, you know, even the word pleasure creates an icky feeling for people. Maybe when I'm saying right now, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. But can you just stop saying it? And it really is connected to sexual pleasure for women. So, How are women supposed to get to know their bodies, mature, sophisticated women, just like we would get to know our ear or our nose or our toes or our armpits? How are we supposed to know anything about our bodies if we're not touching our bodies and understanding what works and what doesn't work for us? And I know that there are some people who have religious beliefs about masturbation And I believe that this is about learning. This is about education, whether or not you want to call it masturbation, whether or not you're having solo orgasms, whatever that looks like, that's up to you. I'm not going to enforce anything upon you. But what I really stand for is knowing of your body. This is just like sort of basic stuff, right? It's basic stuff. So then we wonder why so many women can't have orgasms and don't look forward to sex when we are told, don't touch yourself, whether that's clearly by our parents or by, you know, religious dogma, or that is something that we've just picked up through osmosis in our culture. But um, this one is really difficult. It's what we deal with in week six of my program. And I, the reason why we don't only, only tackle it in week six is because it requires some time to get there. This is, can be some of the hardest uh, messages to overcome for women. And the last message I have for you today, again, there's many, <laughs> I could go for a long time, is that men understand sex better than women. If we look at any romance novel or romantic comedy, the plot line is usually that the man comes in and knows how to make a woman quiver with delight. And she's just like, I don't know what's happening down there, but it's incredible. And he gets to be sort of the knower, not only of his body, but of her body as well. And women can spend years waiting for their husbands to please them. I I know I did. I bought a book about 
how to help your partner understand how to give you better oral sex. And I was like, read this. And it was just so much frustration. But ultimately, I please myself a lot better. (laughs) And I know myself a lot better than my husband. Uh, You know, I... There's just, there's a lot of information out there. It's not, you do not have to come through a man's brain for this to happen. So, you know, this is, can be so disempowering uh, for a woman discovering her pleasure. And ultimately she can come to the conclusion that she doesn't work sexually. So great. Once again, cultural messages really masquerading as low sexual desire in the woman. So after me sharing all of these things, I hope that you do feel a level of anger. I think anger when directed in the right outcome is super healthy and the best outcome that I could possibly want for you and for me is that we open our eyes to what's going on around us and we can see clearer and clearer as we develop this skill uh, that culture is impacting us greatly and that it is not our fault and we are not broken and there's nothing to fix about ourselves. How do you go about unlearning and recovering from these cultural messages when you live in them? It's not like you can go away and find some cozy little safe bubble of no none of these cultural messages. So it's a real challenge, but honestly, I, it is about <clears throat> consciously consuming. And so having a real critical look at the type of media you're consuming and the messages you're getting, the books you're reading, um, the cultural messages that are seeping into um, your conversations with friends and and really just not allowing them to uh, effect, not allowing them to seep in without examination. And <clears throat> you may want to look at some of your behaviors, some of your frustrations in the bedroom with your partner and see if you can't connect those with some of these cultural messages. Okay, well, that's it for today. I hope that this has been enlightening and has led to some relief that you're not broken and there's nothing to fix about yourself. In the next episode, I will be talking about the third requirement of wanting it more, which is understanding of your body and preferences. And that'll be a really good one as well. Okay, off to go put on some real clothes and pick up my kids from school. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.